Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. We see the syphilitic shrinking obelisk. The white man's wilting dick. We see through dangling jowls of CD game show trolls. The smiling lie of the televised hive. The witches are watching with their thousand eyes. Witches are watching with their thousand eyes. We smell rotten teeth that speak beyond belief. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 40. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Hi, I'm George Takei. You know me as Helmsman Sulu on Star Trek. When I'm not busy going Warp Factor 8, I like to beam down to Lee's Comics in Mountain View and spend a lazy afternoon reading comics classics from Marvel to DC, from Dark Horse to Fantagraphics, and everything in between. So please, spend some time here at Lee's Comics and spend your hard-earned cash. <coughs> The Fun Ideas Podcast is made possible by listeners like you and from Lee's Comics of California, selling you what your mother threw out since 1982, online at leescomics.com. Alvin, the story of Ross Bagdasarian Sr., Liberty Records, Format Films, and The Alvin Show is out. Order your hardback, paperback, and ebook copies today on Amazon and at BearManorMedia.com. I am currently still working on Friendly Ghosts, Little Devils, Giants, and Rich Kids, The Art and Creations of Warren Kremer, The Total Television Scrapbook, and Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years. Soon, my earlier books will be available for the first time in hardback. I will let you know when you can purchase hardcover versions of Created and Produced by Total Television Productions, If You're Cracked, You're Happy, Volume 1 and 2, and Frozen and Ice in an upcoming episode. The Kickstarter for the comedy of Jack Davis and the comedy of John Severin was wildly successful. We will be shipping the books and other goodies soon. Our guest today worked for Harvey Comics in their production department in the 1970s and 1980s. This interview was recorded for my upcoming Warren Kramer book and is used here with Paul's permission. Here he is, Paul Marangelli. All right, uh, so Paul, you had uh, some uh, stories to tell about the great Warren Kramer. (laughs) Right. I I actually worked for Warren for a few years, though, you know, he he was a star at Harvey, and I was just a kid in the art department. And, but I worked at Harvey Comics from about 1978. I started as a freelancer, then went on staff and stood there till the early 80s. I forget, maybe 81, 82 I left. So I knew Warren pretty well. I used to see him on a semi-daily basis because he didn't have to come in every day like the rest of us. Right. He came in when he had to drop off work or he was working on something or, or he was, had to meet people. 
And I had known him for a few years before I realized that and that he started out as a sign painter with his father. Mm-hmm. So he was in the office one day and he was in a real friendly mood and he started telling me how as a kid he was a sign painter. And I found that interesting because from like the 70s on, that was a that was a dead art. They would just hang up posters. Mm-hmm. Nobody painted signs anymore. <laughs> so he told me the story how him and his dad would would paint these signs, and then he'd run down the ladder and run three blocks away and give his father hand signals if it should be moved to the left or moved to the right or raised it up or the face wasn't correct. And he said that's what he used to have to do. He used to have to paint and then run three blocks away and give his dad hand signals. <laughs> and I looked at it, I said, Warren, you used to paint big billboards on side of buildings? And he said, yes, I did. That's how I learned to draw. And I said, no wonder why you're so good with comic books. <laughs> I said, for you, this is like doing thumbnail sketches. <laughs> and he laughed. He thought about it. He said, you know, you're right. For me, this is thumbnail sketching. <laughs> and that's my favorite Warren story, except that, from the one that you know where I sent you where he, he actually did a nice wedding card for me and my wife when I first got married because mm-hmm. I was working there when I got married. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I had met my wife, this is a little off story, but I had met my wife in the building. She had worked for Paramount Pictures okay. when we were in Columbus Circle. We had worked at Harvey and we were in the same building. Mm-hmm. And I used to have to run upstairs and get coffee and stuff sometimes for the guys. And... I would run in her in the elevator and on the subway and this and that, and she couldn't avoid me, and she eventually agreed to marry me. (laughs) (laughs) She couldn't avoid you. That's funny. Yeah. Um, So, um, I guess, let me ask you some questions just about you prior to Warren. So, before, and I might have asked these before, but hey, it's another interview. So, it's like, um, prior to working at Harvey, were you familiar with uh, Harvey Comics or Warren's artwork, even if you didn't know him by name? I I didn't know him by name, but like everybody, you know, I I was born in 1951, so I grew up with comic books. Of course, I I loved all kinds of comics. And, and one thing that's, that's, uh, when I was about nine or so, I had to spend a couple of months in the hospital because I have, I had heart problems. Mm. Uh, and, and, and I spent a couple of months in the hospital and when people wanted to know what to send me, my mother would say comics <laughs> and she would say, but don't send them Superman and Batman because I've already gotten him those comics. So people would send me, you know, relatives and stuff would send me all kinds of comics. I read war comics. I read, because you're in a hospital with nothing to do but watch TV and read comic books. <laughs> so I read war comics. I read Harvey comics. I read Charlton comics. I read every kind of comic in the world. I was even reading Joe Simon Romance comics. Uh, you know, but I didn't know it was Joe Simon and Kirby at the time. Right. And, uh, so yes, I knew, I knew, and I put my, when I got a little bit older, I decided I wanted to be a cartoonist, and I, I, I took art in high school, and I studied at School of Visual Arts, I have a degree, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts, graduated in 1974 from School of Visual Arts, mm-hmm. and I was, I worked for a small, I worked for a couple of 
Buffalo. My first job, I worked at Gray Advertising, but it was like a Christmas job. Hmm. So as soon as the Christmas rush was over, I was fired. Hmm. And I worked for two small ad agencies on Long Island, but at the time with uh, a, a former co-student, I guess a student that I that was friends with, and at the time we were still good friends, we decided to try our hand at doing comic strips. And we did some, we did two or three different comic strips that were kind of good, got nice feedback, but was never picked up. And so, just out of the blue, I took my inking and some of my lettering, and I went to Harvey Comics, <laughs> because I heard they were hiring. Mm, okay. And, and, you know, and uh, Leon Harvey met me, and he introduced me to Sid, and Sid introduced me to Warren, and Warren gave me an assignment to ink a, Rick, a Richie Rich one-pager. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was Reggie. And uh, I brought it home, and when I came, brought it back, you know, of course, Warren being Mr. Technical Great could draw anything with his eyes closed, uh, <laughs> asked me to make some changes, and they sent me to the art department where I could use ink and a uh, drawing table. And I met Ken Selig, and I started to talk to Ken, and he said that they needed like a part-time person to uh, work stack cameras and things like that. And I knew how to do that. I had picked up a skill. So I said, yeah, I can shoot stats. And at first I was coming in one day a week to handle freelance work and shoot stats. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, what about a full-time job? And uh, a couple of weeks later, I was offered a full-time job, and I was there for a few years. That's cool. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the punchline, <laughs> you know? And I got to meet Joe Simon. I got to talk to Warren. I got to be friends with Sid and Ernie. And uh, I got very close to Ken Selleck and uh, found out all the, got to be able to go into the files and read comic books from like 20 years prior <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now, uh, I got to see yeah and, and yeah that's basically how I got to know all those guys now did you start before Angelo did or did he start up I well it was kind of like a weird story because <laughs> I was there as a I was there as a freelancer okay so I would come in one day a week and I was there and one day after a couple of months, one day I came in, this is before I was off full time, I came in on my one day, and there was somebody sitting in my desk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait a second, what's going on here? And that was Angelo, yeah. Oh, okay. So you probably started <laughs> roughly around the same time, but didn't know each other, right? Yeah, I was there a couple, right. I was there a couple of weeks. I was there probably a month before him. Mm. Okay. But he, for, for some odd reason, I guess he either impressed Leon or or the way that he presented himself or the way he asked for, mm-hmm. uh, is, is that I, uh, you know, so he was hired as full-time, actually before I was, though I was there before. Hmm. But at the time, I was happy for freelance because I was still working, f- I was working four days a week mm-hmm. for a small publish uh, advertising agency on Long Island that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Not Long Island, but the agency. Oh, yeah. uh, and and it, But at the time, I worked there four days a week, so I was looking for something for that Monday. Mm-hmm. I would go, and 
so it was perfect for me. I worked three days, I worked four days a week near where I lived, and one day a week I worked at Harvey Comics. Mm -hmm. But that was it. I came in, and like I said, Angela was sitting at my desk, and I was like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> now, going back to Warren and that uh, uh, Reggie page you're talking about, um, so he gave you some pointers on that. Um, what, did that happen frequently, or did you get better where he just accepted you as an inker, or did he go the opposite way, saying, I don't want this guy inking my stuff, or what? Well, well, it was, well first of all, i got to say, it wasn't his stuff. It was Ben Brown pencil. Oh, okay, okay. So he kind of, like, didn't like the page to begin with. Mm -hmm. So he made a lot of, like... Reggie's head has to, I mean, Richie's head has to be rounder. He didn't get the eyes right. But it, it was hard because I wasn't inking Warren's page. I was inking somebody else's drawing. Right. And I didn't want to make too much changes on it. You know, it wasn't my call mm -hmm. until Warren made me change it. And I inked some pages, but when I started working there full time, I started to get some, I, they, I started to do more coloring. They gave me coloring. Mm -hmm. And I did less and less thinking. So I really did, though I did, I did ink some pages, and I inked some stuff when things had to be corrected, mm -hmm. but I really stopped inking. I became like just a bullpen worker. Oh, okay. With coloring covers and doing things like that. Okay. And, uh, you know, and, and I didn't fight it, because I'm good, but I'm not great <laughs> as an inker. So, you know, I, you... I, I, there was no reason to fight them okay. on it. Okay, okay. Did you ever do any penciling, or ever go that far, or no? Well, I did penciling for myself, but never at Harvard. Oh, okay, no. that's what I mean. Okay, so yeah, you know, um, you know, what was it? so? How was your working relationship with Warren then? If you're just were you doing coloring mainly? Is that it, or were you working? Well, no, well, I worked. I worked staff. Okay. I worked staff. So Warren, you know, Warren would draw covers. Mm -hmm. He'd come in. He'd hand you like a. a whether the next cover or the next two covers and you'd have to or I'd have to or Angela would have to do like a paste up around the cover with the whether it's Richie Rich Billions or Richie Rich Millions or Richie Rich Girlfriends and actually do a paste up and then color color the rest of the page I see Warren would do the main figures sometimes she would do the background and the sky and the grass Sometimes he wouldn't even want to do that. He would just leave that. He would say, you know, make the sky whatever color you have to make it this month. Because <laughs> that's why they had pink skies and green skies and stuff. Because Richie Rich had so many books out. And they didn't want, they didn't want to confuse kids. Yeah. In other words, they didn't, not that confused them that... You know that, that you already own this book. If a kid sees two comic books with the blue sky, they were afraid the kids would think it was the same book. Yeah, well, I'll agree. Right, so I'll agree be, with that. And I was buying yeah. them then, so yes. <laughs> you were buying them, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how it was. So you'd have to be. It couldn't be the same color as the issue before, and it couldn't be the same color as any other issue of theirs that's on the stands that month. Right. Because who paid attention so, to numbers? You know, it's like later on I did. Right. You know, it's like, oh, it's a new one, and you see it from a distance. It's like it's a red cover. There, you know, it's a new one. Right, <laughs> right. And and I and I sort of wrote one cover gag. Uh huh. 
And the whole time I was there, and I didn't really write the gig. The gag was it was already drawn. Warren had drawn a cover of, you know, they used to do that stuff like Richie Rich is like on a rocket powered skate. You know, like the kids usually put on their feet, but it's like big and him, you know, Gloria is standing on this giant skate and it's rocket powered and it has, and it's got like diamonds on it and, but it had no word balloon. And I went to Sid, I said, shouldn't we have a word balloon? Because we always had word balloons. And Sid said, oh, well, I can't think of anything for Richie to say that would make any sense, that would make this a funnier gag. And I said to Sid, I said, well, Gloria should say, gee, Richie, you're no cheapskate. <laughs> and he loved that. And he had Joe, I think Joe Rosen let it a balloon and we pasted it on the cover. And Wallace, and, and Sid said, oh, like, you're really good. That's a great gag. And I got paid a cup of coffee for it. Oh, wow. So, so what what else did so, you do? I mean, it was like I mean, it, it's like it seemed like uh, you were just like the 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 catch all for everything, right? Is that kind of it? Yeah, kind of. That's how it went. You know, Ken Ken like we're in the art department. It was the production. It was more of a production thing. Ken would do some drawing. Ken would do some inking. But but Ken would keep all the records about what's happening at the printer and this and that. And yeah, and excuse me. And that's how it was. It was. You know, it's hard, because modern art departments are different with everything computerized. Right. But comic books then, you know, like three, four, five people had to touch the same book mm -hmm. to get it ready to go to the printer. Right. So you, you know, so I'd do covers, or you'd, do, or you'd, or you'd spend an afternoon erasing pencils. Mm, okay. Did you, you know, you run? Know about that, right? You ran yeah. stat camera and everything, too, and all that? I ran stat, yeah, I ran right. stat camera. Okay. And did you actually physically yeah. mail things, or did that go to other people? Or uh, no, thing, things didn't. Things usually didn't get mailed in those days. You had messages. Ah, got it. A okay. messenger would pick it up. Either a messenger would come directly from the separator or the printer to pick up. They would have the same person come every day, and if something had to go out in a rush job, then you would call a messenger service to come pick it up and deliver it to somebody. Mm -hmm. And then, you know? I've seen things before, like the, the color guides and like the silver prints and things like that. Did you handle that, or who handled those when they came in? Yeah, well, well yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. It was, it was really... It, Everything really had to go to Ken because he was he was like the art director. Right. There, there was very sketchy on how they did titles there. Nobody really, from my knowledge, working there, nobody really had an official title. <laughs> Afterwards, after the company was changed hands and everything, then I read all these different people's titles, but nobody really had titles. Okay. Uh, you know. Uh, so what had to be taken care of would just be taken care of by, you know, whoever was around. Mm -hmm. It was Ken's job. Ken did what would be art director stuff, not assigning jobs, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the stuff back and forth between the printer and color correcting and making changes and mm -hmm. updates and dealing with the printer and dealing with the separator. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Warren and, and Sid, Sid pretty much being the editor, I guess 
it was up to him and to Lenny to hand out uh, assignments for writers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Warren handed out assignments to artists, but he looked at everything that came back. Okay. Anything that was penciled or, or inked by anybody else, uh, Warren would look at, except for maybe Ernie, because you know Ernie was Ernie was number two man at the time. So right. when uh, Warren wasn't around, maybe Ernie would look at it, or Ernie would do the covers when Warren went on vacation, and you know. So I don't think. Warren really looked over Ernie's shoulder to AOK things. Yeah. But Warren did it for every other artist. Every right. other artist that came in, it would have to be looked at by Warren. Mm-hmm. And then, and then things like after Warren, say like Warren would, would bring in like his covers for the next couple of issues, or which Warren didn't work on was like Richie, not Richie, with Sad Sack stuff. We would take Sad Sack art and rework it for a new cover because they had they had the stock of Sad Sack old drawings that they would use on the cover. Right. I don't mean old like from the forties, but things that were just not used that were purchased years prior. Because they had a backlog. So we put it on the cover, and that, that I would color and retouch and this and that, because mm-hmm. uh, Warren pretty much stayed away from Sad Sack. Yeah. But, Can I uh, ask you a quick question so about that? Uh, yeah, like, sure, sure. So George Baker died in 1975, yet there was, like, new covers for years after that. I mean, did he just churn out a whole bunch of just random images, and he, it was like whenever you use he, them? and. He may have. We had, okay. yeah, we had, we had a lot of art. I don't know if they were all really George Baker's or they were his his assistants who were, you know, uh, what was that guy? Fred Rhodes did some stuff, right? And uh, yeah, and I don't really know what the story was because I didn't know any of those people. Okay. And a lot of backstories of Harvey's, it was like a no no to talk about. <laughs> If you asked the question, it was like it was like a no-no. Yeah. You know, I think probably like Ken and Sid didn't want to talk about things that would like make Leon or Alfred upset. Yeah. If they know they were talking about it, you know. So it would just be, oh no, we have we have we have covers in the files. Just go get this one or get this one. Okay. You know. I know. I know. Sad something. Sack was kind of its own separate thing. I mean, I don't know. Did you even work yeah. on any of that stuff? Oh, yeah, I worked on a lot of sad sack because oh. Warren never wanted to touch it. Oh, okay. So, like, I would, yeah, I would, I would sometimes go through artwork and, like, update it a little bit, or if they had something that they wanted for the cover. I remember once they did a cover, I forget exactly what the drawing was, but there was a there was a drawing of, of course, Sad Sack and the Sergeant, some kind of weird thing, and it was going to be put on like a December cover, but the drawing was supposed to be the summer. <laughs> and my assignment was is that, and of course they're in the army uniform, so you can't tell if it's summer or winter, <laughs> but the background was like a summer scene, and I was told to put snow on everything and get rid of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, and I choose. I had to draw snow on the rooftops and on the ground, oh so it looked like a December scene. <laughs> but you know, it, unlike copying Warren, it isn't too hard to copy George Baker. At least not for me. <laughs> I I can see what you mean. <laughs>
Especially <laughs> la- latter day George Baker, yes, kind of sloppy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So it was okay. So then basically, after the cover was done and color was done, and even before you would color it, you would go, I would go to Ken because we would we would be checking what color. We had a panel of covers on the wall, so we knew what last month's was on, and the past two months was for every issue. Mm-hmm. So you'd go, okay, I need blue, or we can do yellow, or we can do, you know, whatever for the sky or the background, or or he's indoors, or he's outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so you would make get the okay, and you would color what needs to be done, and you'd have to color, then after you had the sky, you would make the logos like reds and yellows and blues, and that's something that was bright and make them pop. Mm-hmm. And then after that was done, if... Warren was around, you would show it to Warren to get his okay. If mm-hmm. Warren wasn't around, then Sid would give it the okay. Mm-hmm. And then it was brought over to Leon. And Leon, depending on how he felt, would either okay it and tell you to get rid of it and send it off, or he would say, let me hold it. Mm-hmm. And he would hold it. And that was always strange because I didn't realize at the time, and I don't know if anybody realized at the time, I think Warren, not Warren, uh, Leon was probably in the beginning stages of Alzheimer's. Mm. So sometimes he would forget that he was holding the cover. (laughs) And, you know, and it would be like, I remember once I got really chewed out. I may have told you the story years ago. I got really chewed out because the cover was actually two weeks late at the printer, which cost a lot because you got to pay fees to hold printing presses up. Right. And, boy, I really got chewed out. And it was like, no, 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 no. I I got this all okayed. I sent this. Well, who has it? Leon. Oh, boy. Leon left it in his office for two weeks. He forgot he had it. And when he went to his office, there it was. It was sitting on his windowsill. He could look at it every day. It wasn't like he even had it in the drawer. Oh, boy. <laughs> so who, he who, just forgot to so, so who had the final say, since you're saying everybody kind of wore different hats? Was it Sid yeah, or, yeah. Sid well, or Leon went, or Warren? It was actually... It was actually it was actually Leon had the final say. Okay. But he didn't send it out. He would bring it back to the art department. And then it was our job to send it out with all the artwork, okay. whatever was going to the separator and the printer that day. Okay. Now, okay, so basically that was the steps. It went through, it went through Ken to Sid to Warren to Leon. Okay. Now... Could anybody object? Like, if Warren didn't like a decision Leon made, did Warren ever object, or did he just... That was that was between him and Leon. Okay, so you never saw that. Okay. Right. I mean, if that happened, they did it behind closed doors. Got it. Okay. It wasn't like they stood... They, it wasn't like they stood in the hallway and argued. Okay. That... that w- Standing in the hallway and arguing was something that was done between Leon and Alfred. Okay, <laughs> which I've heard being before. Twin so. bro- <laughs> yeah, being twin brothers, they argued like they were little kids still. They would <laughs> not care who heard. Right. Um, something I was going to ask about Warren. Um, oh, did you did you work with Warren beyond Harvey or just at Harvey? Like you did you, you did you go on to star like Angelo did or did you? No, no. By okay. the time they were, by the time they started star, I was no longer at Harvey. Okay. I actually left Harvey because I was I was offered a job at uh, at Penthouse. 
Oh, okay. I think you told me Somebody that. Somebody I knew yeah. worked. Yeah, I, I didn't actually work on Penthouse, but I worked on the smaller books, form and variation. Right. I knew somebody that worked up there, and I was offered. A, they were looking for somebody, and I was offered a position. Oh, okay. And it was more money. I'm and sure. <laughs> I'm sure it was. With, yeah, <laughs> and I didn't have to deal with Leon and stuff, and 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 I just left. Okay. And but the, but then then as then as the the change went and Leon and Alfred left and it was run by the Harvey cousins and stuff then I was brought back Ken called me up and brought me back to do freelance okay so you did come back I didn't uh, I didn't so I did come back but by then Warren had already ran to star so right. I didn't really I didn't really have those contacts okay. I stood friendly with books you know, I, I I didn't not stay friendly with any of them. I stood close to Ernie. We're still very friendly. I I have a, a nice relationship with Sid. We contact each other occasionally over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, Warren, not really, but I, I stood in touch with Peter. I stood in touch with okay. his son. And I was going to ask you that. Did you um, work with Peter back in the day, or is that later on? Too? Yeah, Peter. Okay. No, I worked with Peter. Peter actually wound up doing... Peter, and Peter doesn't even know this, Peter did what I wanted to do. I wanted to do all the coloring. Mm. And I could have probably become the, one of the top colorists there if it wasn't for Peter. <laughs> because, and because Warren, of course, who would Warren give the work to? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did interview Peter, and, well, I interviewed all the Kremer children, except for Richard, of course. And... Uh, and uh, you know Angela and yourself, so you know, try to get a well-rounded picture of everything. Um, right. Yeah, so uh, that makes I, sense I what you because, said. Right, and I think because it was a smaller kind of company than than Marvel or DC, mm -hmm. the, the, though there was a packing order, the the way things were done was probably more off the cuff than those companies. Right. You know, it wasn't so much that, you know, well, I did a little bit of Marvel, but not really anything that I would talk about. Right. But, uh, but they seemed to be more cut and dry on who had to okay things and who had to see things and who had to do stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, you know, it. You know, like I said, if, if Warren wasn't around and it had to go out, well, here it goes. Nobody's okay in it, you know. <laughs> Ken okayed it. Yeah, Ken okayed it, or, or Sid okayed it, or I okayed it, you know. Right. And then it would just be, well, I was trying to make the deadline. Okay, okay. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was I going to ask you? There's something about... Oh, um, in, did you s ever see Warren post-Harvey in the later years, or uh, just hear about it? Like, did you go to any of those parties that were over at his house or anything like I that? May, no, I may, have, I have, may have gone to, like, a Christmas party or, or two after I left there and saw him just for, you know, the party thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and I guess in a social way... The only time I, uh, outside of those things, I guess in a social way, is the only, the only thing that I ever did was uh, being invited to Sid's 50th birthday party. Hmm. When, Sid, when Sid Jacobson turned 50, his wife threw him a surprise party. Which I guess I was, was invited. 
1979. Does that sound about right? <laughs> yeah, just about then. Which which actually was was the first date I ever took my wife on. <laughs> I said I'm invited. Because <laughs> because so, you know I knew her and I would talk to her and we really didn't uh, have any kind of dating thing and I was invited to this party and my wife and I actually it was weird and this is just kind of between you and me you don't really have to put this in the okay, book is we worked in the same we worked in the same area and for some odd reason we had both been living in Far Rockaway I don't know how well you know New York uh, okay not great but yeah okay, yeah, okay. I kind of right. know where areas and the are thing is, okay <laughs> and the thing is I was from Long Island so Far Rockaway was like closer to Manhattan than where I lived okay. even though it was way out there and she had she had grown up in Manhattan but she had her, her sister and brother-in-law had kind of bought a house in Far Rockaway and for her it was like going to the country it was near the beach and this and that mm -hmm. right so she had moved to get out of the city so what happened we had worked in the this is how I met her we had worked in the same building we used to buy you know go coffee there was a, a little uh cafeteria in the building that actually for Paramount people but Harvey people could use it mm -hmm. and I would run into her getting coffee when I was getting coffee and stuff where she was getting coffee or lunch and then I would see her on the train and, and the trip from Manhattan, Midtown Manhattan to the Rockaways mm -hmm. was like a two hour subway ride Right. So I would see her. So I would see her on the train, either going home or coming in in the morning. And that's why I say she couldn't avoid me. We were stuck together for two hours. Mm -hmm. You know. So I would talk to her and flirt with her and this and that. So when I got invited to Sid's party, I I liked her and I said, <laughs> "You want to go? I'm invited to this to my editor's like 50th birthday party. It's going to be really." F classy and nice and because I lived in Far Rockaway it wasn't like a long trip for me to pick her up and I had a car in those days mm -hmm. so she was like yeah sure why not okay you know and, <laughs> and even to this day every once every once in a while like on my anniversary and stuff she'll write something like yeah it's because of me <laughs> <laughs> now how close is that to Westbury that's where I've been in New York I've been no, I've been no, all over Long Westbury. Island and Manhattan but I mean and I've okay. taken the train so West we're well, Westbury is north. If you go to the if you go to the Bronx and north of the Bronx. Okay, okay. Just to get my bearings, since I'm mentally trying to picture right, it. So, right, yeah. <laughs> right. Far Rockaway, Far Rockaway is like South Queens. Okay. Just like we're Brooklyn. Uh, it's not as parts of stuff is almost Brooklyn. It's because it's the water. Okay. Far Rockaway is the beach. Got it's it. The south, okay. south Queens, where the beach is, if you look on the map. Okay. All right. So just because, yeah, it's probably by car, it's really not that far, but the way the train runs to pick people up and go over the water and around and, right. and <laughs> cut through all Queens to get into Manhattan. So it's like, you know, it's almost a two-hour commute in the morning for, and you're really not, you know, the rest of the world, if you were two hours away, you'd be in another state. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, Even here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, but New York, you know, New York, you know, somewhere where it's, you can almost walk to is like a long train ride, just because of the way the trains curve, right, right. turn. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, because I've been to New York. I think you saw me the last time I was in New York, which was at Harvey's show. Um, oh, but, wow. But, but that's I've been, long yeah, ago. that's yeah. been a while. But, you know, I've been to New York about four times, so it's like, that, that's why. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, well, if you look on a map, you have a map on New York, and you look at this, the, almost the center of it is Manhattan, which is, you know, Manhattan Island. Mm-hmm. And if you almost the center of Manhattan Island, that's about where Harvey Comics was when I started working there. Right. I did go by it uh, when I uh, one of the times yeah. I went over there because I wanted to look up the addresses. So I did look up that one. I looked up the Broadway address. I think I looked up the right. 57th address uh, just so right. I could kind of know where things were. And right. uh, the, the Columbus Circle address is now a building owned. Unless he sold it, it's a building owned by Trump. I think he still owns it, yeah. Which is yeah. funny in which, a weird which way. Is, <laughs> which is funny because when I worked there, it was 15, I think it was 15 Columbus Circle. Right, yeah. That's the address. Right, it was 15 Columbus Circle. And then, I'm, and then when Trump owned the building, he didn't like it that it said Columbus Circle. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, he didn't like it. And I don't know how he did the deal with the post office, but the address was changed to, like, 1 Central Park West. Oh, I never knew why that <laughs> changed or how that changed. Okay, okay. Yeah, he didn't like that. Okay. He didn't like, he didn't, he didn't think 15 Columbus Circle sounded classy enough. Hmm. Now, just curious. This, of course, isn't really about Warren, but just about Harvey. So, when Harvey was in that, it was the Gulf and Western building at the time, right? Right, right. Um, right. How much space did Harvey take uh, out of that whole building? Harvey had Harvey had about half a floor. We oh. were on the second floor, and we shared half the floor with uh, I forget there were finance company, insurance company, something like that. Okay. We had half a floor, and Paramount had all the rest of the building. Oh, so it had most of the building. Okay. All right. I was right. Just, yeah, because I wasn't sure of the layout of the whole thing. So, so right. where, so where and, did you... And I was told, I was told that even the deal was first made up because, though this could be wrong, because this was just an office rumor, that, that the reason that Paramount had the deal with Harvey Comics it dates back to the days when uh, Mr. Harvey had the deal for the Paramount cartoons. Right, yeah. And that's why they had a contact with Paramount, and that's why Paramount let them have half a floor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. the the way I I've, I've written in the, in the book that's supposed to come out next year, twenty seventeen, the Harvey Comics Companion. Uh, the way I understand it is, it's it's actually kind of a strange story, and I don't have it memorized, so forgive me on this, but it's something to do okay. that that Harvey never actually paid for those characters. It was kind of like this trade shake hand deal where. You know, in exchange of getting yeah. the Harvey char- the the Paramount characters on television, you know, Harvey would you know claim ownership to it. It was like some sort of thing. So no real money was actually exchanged. It was really bizarre, and I never knew that. Oh. So it was all hand in hand, even later. And so you know, it's like, and other things happen too. Like you know, if you wondered why Jerry Lewis starred as Sad Sack, well, Jerry Lewis was Paramount's biggest star at the time, so that's who they put in there instead of finding somebody else. Like 
you know, like oh, okay. Maurice Gosfield okay. or something, you know, Private Doberman right. might have been a better choice for Sad Sack, but they wanted to pick a guy that was popular, so that's that why they picked Jerry Lewis. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then, so... You know, Harvey's and Paramount were always kind of hand-holding the whole time, so I guess that's how they got the thing, the that office space that way. So I don't know if they paid rent on it even. I think it was just part of the agreement. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, right. It was whatever the agreement. And I, I don't really know all the details because, like I said, it was just office yeah. awesome. And um, things changed when Gulf and Western were making some sort of restructuring in the early 80s, which is why Harvey had to move. But, you know, I don't know all the yeah. intimate details on that either, yeah. you know, and I don't know if and we ever will. And <laughs> the move was just a few blocks away. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, you know, I don't know. Uh, it was just weird because Paramount, I, I forget which, Paramount was either a subsidy, uh, I guess this was so I yeah. think Paramount was like a subsidy of Gulf for Western. Yes, yeah. And then, and then, and then a little while later, I read that Paramount had bought Gulf and Western. That might have I been I had true. heard that, and it was like to me that was just strange anyway. Yeah. Because how could a subsidy buy out your parent company? Yeah. But that's how they do things with tax. And yeah, what have yeah. you, and who knows? I don't know the details you know? of that. I mean, the, the only thing I remember is when I was a kid, you know, watching those TV shows like Happy Days, Laverne Shirley, et cetera, et cetera. They always have the Paramount logo, and at the, the bottom it would say a Gulf Western company. You know, it's like, and say right, that. Right. Which now it doesn't. I, <laughs> you know, it says well, a Viacom company or something, you know? But, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know if Gulf Western even exists as a company. N- not, and no. <laughs> Right, and I knew some of the, and I heard some of the rumors from the other end because, like I said, my wife used to work for Paramount. Mm-hmm. So at the time, she was an executive secretary for one of the presidents. Mm-hmm. So I used to hear, I used to hear stories from my Harvey end, and then I would hear stories from her. Mm-hmm. So you know, so I could, I tried to put the two and two together. So I maybe even knew a little bit more than everybody else. <laughs> you know. So what, what? And, and I got that because my wife worked for Paramount, and just because the, the way it was set up in those days, I got to meet quite a few Paramount stars. Mm. Okay. Because you you know they'd walk you'd run into them either in the elevator or, right. or Paramount was the '80s, so there was still money, so they would like they would promote a movie or something. And my wife was like, you know, she worked for one of the presidents, so so yeah, so she was invited to everything. So was she like on the top floor or something like that? What floor did she work on? Yeah, well, she wasn't up on the top because the top floor had a Skyline restaurant. Oh, okay. I've I heard think about she that worked, I think she, yeah, yeah, I think she worked on like 22 or oh, 23. Okay. Just curious like of that. how big the building is. Yeah. I don't, you know. oh, the, oh, no, the building was something like 40 stories. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> yeah, so it was really big. But, but what, 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 some things that were really cool, and these are not Harvey related, these are more Paramount related mm-hmm. stories. But they were cool for me. <laughs> like, she was, the floor that her boss worked on, she, she had actually, while working there, she had worked for two different bosses. She had first worked for Mike Cassidy that was in charge of finance. Mm-hmm. And then what, things were switched around and she was she was moved to work for Gordon Weaver, which was one of the presidents, I forget what he was in charge of. 
Mm-hmm. But so she, she would get invited to a lot of things. So I remember she was her floor was the same floor as the projectionist booth for the executive film because they had the theater in the building. Oh yeah, it would be like right. So the theater was on one floor. The floor above it where she worked and various offices were, there was actually a little room that looked like an office, but when you went in, there was a projectionist booth, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And she introduced me to this guy, and one day I'm at work, I'm still working Hobby Comics, we were still in Gulf and West End, and my wife, and, and then I don't know if we were just married, you know, yeah, we were just married at the time. Mm-hmm. So she calls me up and she says, she says, you like Popeye, right? I says, yeah, because they were making a power movie. She says, come up here real quick. They're watching Rushes. <laughs> and I ran up, and, and while the executives were in their, in their fancy seats, I was upstairs sitting in the photographer, in the, not photographer, the, the cameraman, camera, no, the projectionist booth, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sitting <laughs> in the projectionist booth watching Rushes of Popeye. Wow, Robin Williams and everything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, this movie really looks good. Because <laughs> visually it's an exciting movie. Yes. It's not some great story-wise. Yes, <laughs> agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and to, to show you, to show you, and this is a story, I don't care, this, Probably has nothing to do with Harvey. You probably don't want to put this in the book. You don't have to. But the second story is is I'm telling you. Okay. 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 When when I work, and you can put it in the book if you want, because it's not a secret. Mm-hmm. When I was when I worked at Harvey, they ran. You may remember just before the first Star Trek movie was released. They ran ads on the back of every Harvey comic about the Star Trek movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay? So because of running the ads, everybody in the office got a pair of tickets to start see the, you know, the early premiums, the early showings of Star Trek. Right. Okay? So now I'm in the office. Most of the people like Sid and Warren and Ken Seller, they didn't care about Star Trek. <laughs> they didn't care about Star Trek, so it was like, you want my tickets, you can have them. So instead of having two pairs of tickets, I wound up getting like three or four pairs of tickets. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I saw them, and, and I gave away some tickets to people, right? right. And then when my, I had my tickets, and I had just, Really, this is maybe like the second or third date that I had with my wife after I had taken her to Sid's birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, Aida, that's my wife's name, right, the opera. Mm-hmm. I said, Aida, I says, do you want to, I got these tickets for Star Trek. Do you want to come see them with me? Mm-hmm. And I was thought I had something special, <laughs> okay? Because who, who's seeing this movie without these special tickets? Right. And I said, I said, I said, I said, yeah, Aida, I got these tickets. Do you want to go? And it was in the same building, so we didn't have to go anywhere. So she said, yes. She goes, but I have to work late. She goes, instead of coming up and get me, I'll meet you at the theater, and then we'll watch the movie. And I said, okay. And I went, and then when it came time, you know, it was like 5.30, 6 o'clock. 
I run to the floor where the theater is, and she comes down and she meets me. And as we go to take our seat, as we're walking down the seat, everybody in the theater says to her, Hello, Aida. Hello, Aida. Hello, Aida. Hello, Aida. How are you, Aida? Good to see you, Aida. Hello, Aida. When we go take our seats, I said, I said to her, How come everybody here knows you? She said, Oh, I'm the person that gives out the tickets. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I do like that, right? I never tried to impulse her ever again. Just out of curiosity, um, was there ever any mention at that time, now that you're mentioning like a Popeye film and everything like that, did they ever, tr did Harvey ever try to get like a Richie Rich film at that time or TV show? I thought they did and only got the cartoon <laughs> show. They got that terrible cartoon show where right. they used Archie bodies. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's what, that, that I remember that came out like Richie Rich looked like a teenager because yeah, yeah. They, basically they just threw Richie Rich heads on Archie's bodies. They used old they used old cells. Right. From what I heard. But and, but and they but if they were having any kind of deal, I didn't know anything okay. about it. So they, they never tried to get a live-action film of any of the characters during that time, just because they're in the same building. I thought maybe they might be pitching ideas that just never went anywhere. They they may have, but you realize it was it, the way things were. It was really strange because <laughs> Sid and Warren, I guess, and anybody else, they can so they had no piece of any of the characters. Yeah, and with 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 Alfred not being a hundred percent, and and Leon starting to lose his mind too. <laughs> whatever deals, whatever meetings were done, nothing was a success. Mm, okay, and when there was a talk about at one time about doing something with Little Dot, yeah. Which, which seemed to be strange because she was already a passe character. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was a nice idea of doing some stuff for Little Dot. And then I don't know what ever happened to that. Outside of office gossip, nothing ever happened. Mm. Okay. Because I, I remember... I I... Because, because they were talking about, there was this whole thing about changing the colors of her dress to match something else. <laughs> it was like, so that, you know, so, but who knows? Okay. Nothing ever happened. Okay. Because I was just thinking, man, you're right there in a movie studio or a TV studio or whatever, or at least the executive offices of it, and it's like, you can't do anything with these characters, you know? It's like, okay. <laughs> it's just weird. Um, and then well, the, well, you know, it, it, was, it was up to them, and, and, yeah. and, you know, and then even when, when the, the two brothers were out of the company and the, the, what we called the Harvey Cousins, yeah. uh, the, the only ones that really knew anything about the comic company was maybe Alan and Russell and maybe one of the other brothers yeah. because they had actually grown up with their father and they used, as kids they used to come to the office and see how things were, were run and stuff. But, but the other cousins really had, had nothing. They were never there. Right. And then all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, then they were in charge. 
<laughs> and they didn't even know what they didn't even know what characters were in the files. Hmm. They didn't know they didn't know who was popular and who wasn't. <laughs> they were talking about killing off. I remember because then I was only coming in as a freelancer, and I I forget now which character it was because it was like a whole book had been prepared, and they were talking about. Why? Why does this guy to go to the printer? Nobody knows who this character is, and <laughs> and, and, and Ken Hafen would tell him, no, this is one of our pop, our popular characters. You know, this book sells. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I forget what it was. It, it, it obviously wasn't a Richie, but it was probably something in the Richie universe. Yeah, you know. And it was like, yeah, and 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 they didn't, they didn't have a clue. On, on what was popular and what sold and yeah. and you know how important comic books were and yeah so yeah that that sort of was like the beginning of the death yeah okay <laughs> that's good and um and then during that time you you were just with Ken basically besides the Harvey cousins right from the old days yeah 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 okay. it, was, it, was, it was yeah it was it was basically okay. Ken. Yeah, I didn't even know you were there at those days. I knew Ken was there because he did some covers yeah, yeah, and things like that. You know, right, right. But basically, basically, I was just a freelancer. Ken, Ken had there was a staff guy. I think Brian Warner. Do you know who he is? Did yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. But but Ken always needed you know somebody to like do, and I was fast with coloring, so Ken would need somebody to do some coloring fast, mm-hmm. or somebody to do some paste ups fast. Yeah. And you know, I, I I'd come in like overnight and this and that. Hold on a second. I don't know. Well, I'm being interviewed now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's my wife. Okay. Oh, well, I, I can let here. you go pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. She was asking me something. She had gotten a message. And she, she wanted to know who it was. Oh, okay. It was a message from me. But, right. but, 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 yeah, actually, actually uh, what's today? The, the 31st or the 27th was my anniversary of 36 years. Oh, happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, everything I've ever seen of Warren, like I, I've asked this of everybody else. I'll just go quickly back to this. I mean, it's like, did you ever yeah. talk to Warren about the stuff he did prior to Richie Rich and Casper and stuff like that, like the horror stuff or the war stuff or anything? Actually, it was it was late before I even knew that he had done that stuff. Mm-hmm. He had mentioned what, one day he was talking about drawing that the melting face drawing. You know, somehow that had come up. Somebody was talking about old horror comics, and he was mentioning the melting face, and I was like, wait a second, what are you talking about? You did a melting face for Richie Rich? <laughs> he was like, no. And then, you know, and then he explained that he, he started that he do the horror comics and stuff. And that amazed me, because I didn't know that he had, he had a whole career doing horror comics. Right. You know, and I had already known him a few years at that point. <laughs> and yeah, I've asked other people about this, and they they say, you know, like, did he miss it or whatever? And everybody said no. Warren was always happy doing what he was currently doing, so it's like he was yeah, never upset. <laughs> right, and and he and he never really 
He wasn't the type of guy to talk about old days. Yeah. Unless it was like, like he talked about, you know, like how he painted those signs. But it wasn't like something that he talked about a lot. Yeah. He mentioned it to me once. And then a couple of times after that, I would kid him. I would say, you know, like, Warren, what's easier, doing this cover or doing the sign with your dad? And he would go, ha, 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 you know. And, right. and that would be it. Or, or, he would, or he would mention that, like, uh, or a song would come on. Oh, that was it. A song came on the radio. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I used to listen, well, Ken used to listen to jazz, and when he was out of the room, I would turn on CBS. And the, you know, CBS in those days was all these playing music from the 50s and the 60s. Oh, okay. And a song, and a song came on, and, 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 I, and I remember he was in the office, I said, Ron, remember this song? And I won't even name the song. But I said, remember this song? This is from your time. And he said, pretty much, he goes, I hated that song. <laughs> I said, you hated, you hated that song? And he told me a story how he used to draw all night. And then he used to drive them to the city to drop off his pages early in the morning. <laughs> so he would leave his house. He would leave his house like 3 o'clock in the morning to get to Manhattan before all the traffic. And he said, every goddamn thing, I have to hear that song on the way in and the way out. He goes, I hate that song. <laughs> <laughs> you know how the radio used to be. Right, right, well, top 40, yeah. Yeah, you know, he had the same song over and over and over. You don't know which song you know, it was? was, was <laughs> no, I know what song it is. It was Mr. Sandman. Oh. <laughs> 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 and I guess because he was driving in the middle of the night, he would say, I'd have to hear that song four or five times a night. I can't stand it. Because <laughs> I was going through my head, it's like, what would it be, like Heartbreak Hotel or what? I didn't know what he would no. <laughs> 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 and you would never think that would be the song. Yeah, right? because I mean, I don't know. That's a pretty innocuous song, I think. I don't know. But maybe if you heard it a couple billion times, it gets annoying. I don't know. You know? Right, yeah, would be. Well, any song, you know, any song that you heard over and over and over and over. Right. It would be like, oh, man, no more. Yeah. Like, like yeah, yeah. Like, between you and me, uh, let it be drives me up the wall, <laughs> and I'm a Beatles fan. Yeah, yeah. But the reason is, the reason is, is that when I was young, I was, I guess, at eighteen, nineteen when that came out, mm -hmm. and I used, I used to work part time. I helped my neighbor. My neighbor's dad had a laundry route where they pick up laundry at from the Chinese restaurant. I'm not Chinese restaurants, from the you know the Chinese hand laundries. Mm -hmm. And people don't realize this that in New York they don't do it by hand. They they have a service that used to bring it to a big laundry industrial warehouse laundry in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. That would be all certain. Then you would deliver it back to these people. So we'd be working in the truck. We'd work. We'd start work maybe ten o'clock at night and finish like five, six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Right. And then let it be was a hit. And with AM radio, all you hear is the hits. I would hear let it be like twenty times a night. Right. You know. And they'd be like, oh, I don't want to hear let it be again. <laughs> I know what you mean, even though, you know, I was you yeah. know, pretty young when that came out, but I know yeah. songs later that were, like, annoying, yeah. 
Right, and every, even if you start liking the song after a while, it's like how many times can I hear this same right. song? Right, and and for some, yeah, and I, I agree with you. There's Let It Be, Long and Winding Road, all those around that same time, yeah. Bridge, Bridge Over Troubled Water, all those songs are like, ah, I can't hear them that often. Right. <laughs> but they're all went over, and and especially if it's if if they're not, and I, I can see this probably more with, with me too. You, you're not. It doesn't bring back a memory of partying and hanging out with friends. It gives you a memory of driving in the middle of the night because you've got to just do work, you know? <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, so that was, I remember that. Yeah, basically that was it. Sometimes if he was in a good mood, he'd come in and he'd, he'd bullshit and he'd talk about things. You know, and and the thing is, I used to joke with him and with Sid and people too. They used to be, we used to joke in those days about that if we were casting a movie about Harvey Comics, who would we, you know, hire to play each person? Uh-huh. And my joke was, Keenan uh, Wynn from the 50s, like in his Twilight Zone episodes and yeah. stuff, Keenan Wynn I would hire to play Wally. <laughs> he had Warren and then when I knew Wally, Warren had a big mustache and right, right. sort of had, I could see, I could see Keenan Wynn playing Warren. Uh-huh. So, you know? So like Dr. Strangelove days and stuff like that? <laughs> Yeah, well, not so much like that, but if you know, you know, his, uh, you know, his, yeah, that look. Yeah, but that you know he looked. How, I don't mean how he acted, but right. yeah, yeah. Right. But, but maybe Keenan Wynn, you know, his Twilight Zone episode? Yeah, yeah. I think he's a couple of, right, where he's just like the, he's like the writer at home, and he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's all upset with his wife, and, but he's just like a normal guy, and I said, yeah, that's Warren. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I used to say that Sid, I would, I would, and I would, though he didn't look like Sid, I would, I said that, that for Sid, I would cast Maureen Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> because, because he reminded me, that that's what he reminded me of Maureen Amsterdam on the Big Fan Night Show. Like, right. Sid would run into the art department and tell us some gag. Uh-huh. And what's about this? Do you think this is funny? And you know, he'd, he'd give us like, not a real game, but a punchline or something that yeah. he came up with, or a word balloon. Uh-huh. And if we laughed, and if we laughed, if me and Angelo laughed, I think, I think Ken was way past this. But if Angelo and I laughed, then he would say, you guys are geniuses, you're geniuses. <laughs> and then if we didn't laugh, he, if we didn't laugh, he'd go, oh, you don't know what's funny, you don't know what's funny. <laughs> I could believe that. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, you're like moving Amsterdam and Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that you say that, yeah, I met, I met Sid once. Of course, I've talked to him many times on the phone. I met him in L.A. once, and it's like, yeah, I right. can see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So this is how I was with that, you know, and, uh, yeah, uh, Angelo used to say that, that if they were going to cast it, uh, he would have Fabian claim me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it would be like that type of thing. I, I, I forgot who, who, you know, but, but everybody would have always this, and, and Ken, and, uh, yeah. We would play Ken, yeah. 
Yeah, listen. Well, now, now it's a joke between me and and, and Angela because we say everybody turns into Ken. Oh, because <laughs> everybody turns into Ken at one point in their life. Because if you've seen pictures of the latest uh, Tom Hanks movie where he plays the pilot, yeah, he looks exactly like Ken with the white mustache and everything. Oh, okay, <laughs> I actually have that movie on on my set to watch. I just I haven't watched it yet. It's just a, yeah, I just got from Netflix. Right. And we always say we say for years because when we first worked with Ken, he didn't have he didn't have a mustache. Yeah. And then he grew one because it became you know, the seventies facial hair became the thing. Hmm. And we said, Oh you should grow a mustache, you should go and I think he just grew a mustache because the first time because he had some kind of contest with his oldest son. Oh. His son was trying to grow a mustache. I mean, the kid was only in high school then. Yeah. And Ken was making fun at Ken Jr. for not growing it fast enough. And the son was like, yeah, well, how long will it take you to grow one? And, you know, when you're an old man, you can grow a mustache in like a, a week. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Ken grew a mustache, and then everybody said, you know, that looks good. Don't shave it off. Mm-hmm. Don't shave it off. That looks good. And then he eventually went gray. You know, he had brown hair, and it was gray. And he, went, he actually went gray very fast. Yeah. Uh so, so, so what he, so he would say, okay, we cast the movies. We said, yeah, who would play Ken? I said, Ken, Charlie Ruggles. He got me, Charlie Ruggles. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> like, you know, you know how he looks at the Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he was <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, the movie I visualize is the Disney movie, The Ugly Ducks, and he's in that, so, you know, it's like... Oh, okay, well, let's look at it, yeah, well, he's old, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and not that Ken was old, because when I worked with him, he was probably, like, in his 40s. Right. I'm in my 60s now, but, you know, anybody that's 20 years older than you always seems old, no matter right. how old they are. Right, right. You know? Now, the, it's <laughs> kind of funny, do, I mean, now, does, he, does he have a mustache what? nowadays? Does he have a mustache nowadays? Because... The photos I've seen of Ken when he was younger uh, were in that comics interview magazine from way back in the early 80s, and he, he just had a big cigar in his mouth, but I don't remember a mustache, you know, so... Okay, well, well he, he, you know, he sometimes would shave and sometimes he'd grow okay. back, and okay. how he has it now, I, I don't know, because I haven't seen him in a couple of years, but we're yeah. in touch, I haven't really seen him. Okay. The, I, the last I saw him was probably a couple of months after his wife died. Okay. I think about a year after his wife died, Ken, uh, Angel and I went to see him and take him out to lunch and oh, stuff. Okay. Okay. I think he had a mustache then. I can't remember. Okay. I think I have a Christmas card. I think he stopped sending them from like three or four years ago. And I he might have had one then, I don't remember. But his hair was white. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his, hair, his hair was white. He used, yeah. to, he, used to, he used to be brown when I first knew him. Yeah, yeah. But so did I. I had dark, almost black hair. Now I'm mm -hmm. pretty much all gray. So. Yeah. It happens I, to everybody. It's coming for you too, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting gray too. I'm 50 now, so I'm yeah. getting up there now. Yeah, <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I, I have some, when I was putting the companion together, I don't know who, uh, maybe Jeannie, uh, somebody gave me photos of you, 
uh, I don't know. You know, I got I got photos from you. From, yeah, from way back when. So. Okay. I'll tell you right, right. I'll tell you who who used to take photos, and that, so it would be. I mean, a few people took photos if it was a special occasion, but Jeannie was good at taking photos. She liked to, sometimes she would just take pictures, I don't know why. She would take pictures, and, uh, and, and Peter Kramer yeah. was good at pictures. Yeah, and he's getting me a lot of so, pictures for this book, so I may see more of you. <laughs> yeah, okay, so, so, right, so pictures are basically Peter and probably Jeannie. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure there might be other pictures around, but since I wasn't the type of guy to come to work with a camera and take pictures. Right, right. And neither was Angelo, so, and neither was Ken, so, and probably neither was Lauren or Sid, so who, you know, who took the pictures is probably Jeannie or Peter. Yeah. And Peter, because Peter wasn't there all the time. He would come in every month or every couple of months with his dad. Yeah. So I guess if it was a holiday or something or he was doing something, he would have the camera because way before cell phone cameras. You know, if you were doing something special in the city and you wanted to take pictures, you were visiting the tree or something, you'd have the camera with you. Yeah. That's what Peter said. He yeah. said he never came in by himself. He always came in with his dad. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it makes sense because why? Why come in? If, why take that long trip by yourself on a Thursday if your dad is going in on Friday? You might right. have just waited. Right, and and I I didn't know this, but and now I know is Warren worked out of his house a lot. You know, he didn't come in all the time, so. Yeah, yeah, he didn't come in all the time. There was no at that point in his career. There was no need for him. Yeah. You know, to come in every day. Yeah. But, you know, as as an outsider, as a fan, you think, you know, it's just like everything else, and then you find the shock. You think it is like a big bullpen where everybody comes to work, and they're all there and everything. And it's like you find out, no, nobody comes to work. They live all over the country. They mail it in, whatever. You know, it's like... Right, 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 right. You know, you're like one of the rare ones that was actually in the office all the time, but you said you got a full-time position, so, you know. Yeah, and, and also, and also... Uh, well, well, Sid was in there almost every day. Yeah. But Sid lived pretty much walking distance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Joe Simon was there almost every day, but he was friends with the Harveys, and he lived there, and it was just like something for him to do. Yeah. Whatever, whatever dealings he had with them doing artwork or anything, that was like, I didn't know all that stuff. I knew a little bit, because... Right. But, you know, he wasn't even the type to talk about it, because I had, I had met him and as just the guy that came up in the office, and he was Joe. It was yeah. like, hey, Joe, and he was nice, and he went away, and, and after meeting him a couple of times, Ken said to me, does you know who that is? <laughs> and I, he says, you know who Joe is? I says, Joe, who is he? And he says, that's Joe Simon. Yeah. And I went, you mean Captain America Joe Simon? Yeah. And he said, yeah. And the next time, the next time he came in the office, I said, Joe. I said, I found out you're you're Joe Simon who created Captain America. And he looked at me and very seriously said, no, kid, you got me confused with somebody else. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Now, I read Joe Simon's autobiography, and yeah, he talks about that he was very close with Alfred for years. He would do anything for Alfred, but Alfred never paid him, and so it kind of annoyed him. But he he always had office space for Joe, so Joe had his own yeah. office in there that he could use at any time for anything he wanted to do. So, <laughs> so. Yeah, but, but when we were in, in when we were in, in, at Columbus Circle, there was no office for Joe. Joe would just come up and he would take stuff home. Okay. Was, like, well, may, may, maybe he was referring to the Broadway offices prior to Columbus. Broadway offices and all the offices that they had before that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Columbus Circle, because like I said, we had a, in, in, the, in the office in the bullpen that I sat in with Ken and Angelo, there was an extra desk. There was an empty desk mm-hmm. if somebody had to do some work. Mm-hmm. Right? right, and sometimes Joe would use that, but usually he would just take it home because he lived walking distance. Mm-hmm. He was only—I mean, real walking distance. He was only a couple of blocks away. He once invited me and Angela over his house for lunch, and, and he showed us all this original artwork he had, which was like, which was for me at the time, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, not only like original. Uh, Joe Simon and Kirby drawings, but he also, because he had been an editor years before, he actually had some, like, more fine pages and some other artists, I forget now, mm-hmm. you know? But just to see that stuff was like, you know, it's like museum for us. For right. any comic fan, it's like going to the museum. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, this is a little fine page and I can touch it. Wait, wait, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Huh. You know, so, so yes, I knew he lived close enough to walk because right. I had been to his apartment once. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he said, "Come on over, kids. Come over for lunch. I'll show you. I'll show you some original artwork." Because mm. mm. he used cool. to talk. He talked like an old carnival boss or something. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, let's see what else I can tell you about Walt. But you know, basically, he was a nice guy. He was helpful. He he. He wasn't mean, he wasn't nasty. Like I said, sometimes he was opinionated uh, about stuff that had nothing to do with art. Mm. Like I remember, yeah, like like uh, there was something on TV once. In those days, you know, he didn't have a lot of channels, so everybody watched the same specials. Right. And there was something so special on TV about aliens or life on other planets. And the next day, everybody was like, kind of talking about it and giving you opinions. Right. And he came and he was like, you know, his opinion is that, you know, life on Earth is an accident and there's no accidents in outer space. And he doubted very much there was life on other planets. And somebody like me and Ernie and said, well, you know, and Ken said, well, you know, there could be life, life on other planets. You know, we don't know. It, it seems to be a good possibility. And he was like, oh, there's no life on other planets. And, you know, he walked into the next room. Because he was, you know, that's what I mean. It had nothing to do with art or Harvey Thomas or anything at all. It was just his opinion, and you didn't agree with him, and that was it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty much all I have at this point. I don't know. Okay. Do you have anything else to that you? Uh, yeah, I I want to talk more about my history. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, when I talked to Angelo, he kind of went off into other things too, and everybody else. I'm I'm fine with that because I get to pick and choose different things, you know, and stuff like okay, that. So, okay. so if, this works. If you have any, 
Yeah, it, 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 it was it was it was nice. I'll tell you what was really nice. Huh? Like if if Warren had to draw something, it was nice that we had, that sometimes he let us look over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And it was like and it was like it's like um, you, you see you know how beautiful his work is, right. and it's amazing to watch him draw it so fast. Because mm-hmm. he could draw fast and it'd be like there'd be you know it'd be like you need a, you need something for the cover you need something you need they're doing an ad inside and we need Richie looking this way instead of that way and all and go come on I'll do I'll do it and you know and he'd draw and it'd be like. You know, he'd do like a perfect Richie Rich in like five seconds, and you'd go like, holy shit, you know. <laughs> you know, but usually most of the stuff, even because of the stats and backlog of art, most of the stuff was actually stabbed and reused and reused yeah. and yeah. reused. You know, Richie's looking left, you need him to look right, where you make a stat and you flop it, right, and you right. paste it in place, and there you go, <laughs> you know. So, and and like I said, we had that spare desk. Warren didn't need it because he shared the office with Sid, but that spare desk would be like maybe Joe Rosen would come in one day to letter a bunch of pages, mm-hmm. or when Rick Parker started as a freelancer, maybe he'd have to come in and use that desk to make some changes and some corrections. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. Or uh, Roberta, I forget her last name, do you know Roberta? Oh, Edelman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she would come and she'd be a colorist and she would come in and finish up coloring. Or sometimes Sid would give her an assignment and and the the rush, it was too rushed for her to take it home and do it at home. So she'd sit in the art department and color and talk to us and everything. She was a a very nice lady. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what that extra desk was for. Mm Mm-hmm, got it, Uh, okay. You know? Sometimes Joe would sit there, but Joe usually brought stuff home. And Lauren, if he had to bring stuff home, then he brought it home, or he, or he did it in the office. He was sitting in with Sid and, and you know, and the Lenny. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I said, if, I, if I think of anything else, I'll give you a call. All right. And if you have any questions, you can call me. Okay. Yeah, no, that works fine. I mean, it's like I've been doing these interviews now. The book's not even due till 2018. <laughs> you know, but, it's like, but I just wanted to get all the interviews out of the way so I could kind of start. And, oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. And I, I was going to say, I did get a great interview that uh, Bill Janoka did with him back in like 1978, around that time. So, you know, and it's like... Uh, I think it was him. Maybe it was somebody else who did it. But anyway, he sent me the entire uncut interview. He said, well, it, part of it's been published, but the whole interview has not. And I said, wow, this is like the Holy Grail. It has like everything. So, you know. Oh, that's, that's So, yeah. with all of your guys' comments, plus a great interview with Warren himself, you know, I can make a good book. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, yes. That's good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so. yeah. That's good. You know, I'm like, when Warren would come to talk, and, and we bullshit, like anybody in any office, you're really not talking about work, you're talking about like what happened to you on the car ride in, right. or what happened to you yesterday at dinner, or something like that, you know? Yeah. So those aren't even work-related stories, but yeah. the only one, like I said, was about his 
painting the billboards. Yeah. And then years later finding out that he did that melting face thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, t- I totally expect that, that you'd be talking about other yeah. stuff. I wouldn't expect you to be sitting there all day. Isn't it great we're working at Harvey Comics? Yes, this is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it was a job, yeah. I know, but, you know. <laughs> the, first, the, first, the first week is, like, really great. My eyes are, like, wide open, like, boy, this is really great. And then I got a paycheck, and it wasn't so great <laughs> It was great working for Harvey Comics, so I got a paycheck. That's great. <laughs> Well, on that note, I will leave you on this. But I'm gonna just I'm gonna say this one more time. Okay, sure. It's really nice, not just his drawings, but you see, he did that nice big card for me and my wife. Yes, and there was no reason they could have just bought a card in the store and everybody signed it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but he took the time, and that's a, a that's a big oversized card, and everybody that worked me signed it, and I, I still treasure it. I always thought that was a very nice thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd you like to, I'd like to use it in the book as uh, an image in there. Yes, so. that's why I sent it to you. You can yeah. you can use it. Oh, right. you can Thank use you. it. That's why I sent it to you. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, it was great talking Thank to you. you. Have a happy New Year, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening, and thank you again, Paul Marangeli, for being my special guest. Episode number 41 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. You can become a Patreon of Fun Ideas Productions, and if everyone listening just contributed $1 a month, it would be a tremendous help. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Our opening and closing themes are provided by Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb. If you'd like to know more information about his music, please drop me a line. This has been the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2019, Fun Ideas Productions. And thank you very much, and have a good night. pills in the pink electric church the final flicker of your lewd jeweled boob to